All right, we have been in a series uh, that I kicked off a couple weeks ago. Matt did a phenomenal job last week tying in basically um, Palm Sunday and Into the Storm, talking about Buffalo. And uh, no, he was not kicked out of leadership or pastorship here. Uh, that, that did not happen. Uh, I can probably uh, beat him in most workouts. And no, he is not better looking and smarter than me. So let me just clear up some things. Not that we're competitive or anything as brothers. We're not competitive at all, right? Uh, but no, Matt, I, that was probably my favorite message you've ever preached. Watched it online this week, and it was phenomenal. Um, but I'm continuing back in the series I kicked off two weeks ago called Simply Jesus. And uh, those of you who are joining in maybe just for this week, we, we hope this blesses you, and you can go back and watch week one. Really what I did was I, I covered the greatest teacher's greatest teaching ever, John 13 through, through part of 18, but John 13 through 17, where Jesus is meeting with the disciples. It's Thursday evening. Um, he had already spent Tuesday, you know, uh, with the Olivet Discourse. Now he's on Thursday, and he, and he basically was just preparing their hearts to receive his heart that he was leaving. And he was preparing their hearts and saying, I, I have to leave, but I won't leave you as orphans. I'll return to you. And he's talking about the advocate, the comforter. Holy Spirit will be poured out, right? And he's talking about this. And we're going to kind of tag from that today. But the, the essence of the series is kind of the essence of who we are here. As you came in today, there wasn't big production. There wasn't some big scheme to try to pull you in, to try to fill up this building. Thank God the expansion's coming soon. We, we hope to break ground in a few weeks. Next year this time, there'll be about 200 more seats going this way. Yes, amen. So those of you who were inconvenienced or had to sit on the floor for a bit, we're sorry, but not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. So, but anyway, but we don't do production here because Jesus himself is the main event. If we have to do things to attract you to church, we'll have to do things to attract you to stay. And Jesus himself is the main event. Jesus himself is, is the essence and the reason and the resurrection, the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? He alone. We, we didn't do graphics. We didn't. They're like, what do you want on the stage? Nothing. Just Jesus. That's our heart here. Our heart is just to bless him, to glorify him, to encounter him, to know him. I love my wife uses this language. I want to be a student of his presence. I want to know him intimately. I want to know him powerfully. I want to know him joyfully. I want to know Jesus. I want to, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to come into relationship where I start to look like. They, they say more, when you age, you start to look like your spouse, right? As you get older. I'm sorry, Nicole. But as I get closer to Jesus, I want to look like him. I want when I show up at a meeting or show up at work or the fire department or a scene or, or show up at a friend's house or show up in a grocery store or eating, or eating lunch somewhere after church, I want to look and sound and smell and feel like Jesus to the people around me. I want to be like him. That's simply Jesus. So what we really focus on is Jesus' last words, his last words on earth. And that's where I'm going to pick up today is, is really going through those seven last phrases while he was on the cross. And I know we, we had a, a midweek, holy week service here, and uh, we did communion, and we actually did foot washing. I got some family here who grew up in the same church I grew up in, and it was weird. They would put the women in one room, the men in one room, and I was like a young guy. I was like 12 years old, 10 years old, and I'm washing these, this old guy's feet. And I'm talking like the toenails that are orange kind of curling over. Getting the fuzz from where the socks were on. 
If you grew up in that kind of church, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't, you're like, I'm out of here. This is my last service at Upper Room. We didn't do it that way. We call it family foot washing, but we still did it. A few years ago, I was, my dad's like, I think we need to do foot washing. And I was assistant pastor. I was like, Dad, that's, that's, that's of the past. I was like, let's wash each other's cars. That's the equivalent. That was their mode of transportation. I was like, let's just watch each other's cars. He's like, it's not the same. I was kind of like that teenager still living at home, thinks he knows everything when I was the assistant pastor of my dad, and I had to mature. And a few years into my leadership, I, the Lord began to put out my heart to wash people's feet. I would go speak somewhere, and I would, I would respectfully just begin to get at their feet and bless their feet and, and symbolically wash it in some version. And, and that's what we started doing here. So it's very family-friendly. Sometimes we just say, hey, if you don't feel comfortable washing feet, we've got pans and stuff. We do the full thing. Or just, just bless their feet. Just pray for their feet. You know, here, take a dry towel and just, you know, symbolically do it. But that was that night. And, and so what, what I'm focusing on is, is now, like, we, we focus that night, on Wednesday night, the cross. I, I believe sometimes we fast forward this week, and it's the resurrection, and it's the celebration, which is, like, the main event. Like, come on, we, we are alive in Christ because he conquered death, hell, and the grave. So, but we don't ever hear, at least through that week, want to fast forward and not realize that there was an actual price paid for my debt. That Jesus didn't deserve, he was sinless, he was spotless, he was blameless, but he took on my sin and your sin. And he who knew no sin took it on the cross for, for us. So as he's there and as he's, as he's in this moment, we're just going to, through the Gospels, we're going to go through those seven statements. And just, here's the thing, this is the greatest love story ever told. From beginning to end, this is a love story. This was never a thing to put fear inside of you to scare the hell out of you. It was to get the love of the Father in you. It was to get his spirit in you. It was to get his goodness, his power, his love, his joy, his kindness. It's the goodness of God, it says, that leads men to repentance. This is the greatest love story ever told. And let me just say, the greatest act ever demonstrated with Jesus on the cross and when that tomb was empty. And I just want to go from that place because on that cross in these seven statements, we see the heart of Jesus. We see that he was fully God and fully man. And in these moments, he's kind of going back and forth. And, and, and sometimes as we read this text, you'll see he's like, oh, your will, not mine, God. And he's kind of surrendering and submitting as, as God, right? As, as, as Jesus in God form. But then there's these times of like, why have you forsaken me? There's these times and these moments where he was fully man, feeling everything we would ever feel. As we walk to this process, you know, he had already been beaten 39 times with lashes on his back. He had already had a crown of thorns forced on his head. The king of glory, the crown that he wore was thorns being forced on his head. His sweat was, was both water and blood paying that price for us he carried a cross yesterday we did a little workout a few of us and it's called the passion workout and we carried i carried 95 pounds and i researched i was like how much did jesus carry that cross weighed 300 pounds and he drug it through the streets while being mocked and spit on and beat and he carried it through rough terrain he bore our cross so we don't have to and he gets to this place, and they, they, they drive nails, these big spikes in his hands or wrists and, and into his ankles or, or feet. And they slam that cross into the ground as he postures in a very loving form to just hug us. 
with his arms wide open at any time we get to run into his arms. And then he's on that cross, and, 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 and we get to this first statement, and it's going to be in Luke 23, 34. And the soldiers, they're, they're actually they're, they're gambling or they're playing dice, and it's called casting lots. And they're saying, who's going to get his garment? Who's, who's going to get his robe? And here's what Jesus' response to these guys who had just mocked him, spit on him, and nailed him to a cross. He says, he says this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that wasn't just to those men. It was to everybody who was crucifying him. It was to you. It was to me. It was to the soldiers. It was to Pontius Pilate. It was to everybody. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing right now. So Jesus, the Messiah, who is, who is obviously already depleted, who is now in his first hour of three of death in, in the darkest hour, it is turning dark. The earth is beginning just about to quake. And Jesus, in full agony and up there, says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Full of grace, full of mercy, full of forgiveness in his agony in his last hours. The next one, in Luke 23, 43, it says this, And Jesus said, There is two thieves to him next to him on the cross, one on each side. And the one thief had an acknowledgment that, that he was Savior, that he was Jesus. And he's like, don't forget me. And Jesus, again, full of grace, says, Father, forgive them. I'm sorry. Luke 23, 43. He says, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you're joining me in heaven because your heart just postured to mine. And, and in your heart and in your way, you express faith that I'm Messiah and Savior. It's all it takes. There's some theological debate. Well, he didn't get baptized. He, <laughs> I have funny stories about that. We, we believe in full submersion baptism here. We do that. Jesus did it. He modeled it. He tells us to do that. And we believe in it, and we do it. And, when we, and we do it in the name of Jesus, okay? We, we do it in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we baptize full immersion up. That's, that's what we do here, okay? Now, one time my dad, he, he ran into a situation, and he was called to a... a, a a situation in, in hospice care and somebody's calling us as a church can you please come baptize my grandma and, and say her last words and last rites and and pray with her and i was at work and i was like dad i can't go do you want to go my dad thrives on funerals weddings and any situation like this i'm like those are the least favorite things i do in ministry if i say yes to marrying you or, or officiating a wedding it's because i absolutely love you so much that I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to risk all the stupid things I'll say. When I get in a tie, something happens. <laughs> it's like it squeezes all the good brain cells out of my brain, and I start stuttering. I get nervous. I'm shaking. I am a totally different person than what you're seeing right now. I'll, say, I'll leave it at that. I've done some really weird things. So my dad, he's like, yeah, I'll go. I was like, they want you to baptize her. He's like, what? She's in a hospital bed. I was like, yeah. I was like, you have to figure out. He's like, I can't do that. We, we, can't, they have, we have to submerge her. I was like, I don't know, Dad. You're just going to have to figure it out. And then we, we get in this talk. I said, the thief on the cross, they couldn't do it. Jesus didn't baptize him. He welcomed him into paradise. I guess there's certain situations. You just God's grace and his goodness is just, like, covers it. <sighs> okay. A couple hours later, I don't hear anything. Then I hear the, the, the grandma had passed away. I was like, I called my dad. I was like, Dad, what happened? That was great. We had a great prayer. There was peace. God showed up. Well, did you baptize her? Yeah, I got like a sponge and we sprinkled some water on her. I was like, well, how'd you feel about that, Dad? He's like, oh, it was great. It was fine. 
Like, like nothing happened. And again, if we can, we believe in full submersion. But there's these moments. So this thief on the cross couldn't go through all of the steps, couldn't go through the discipleship program, couldn't go, but his heart was postured to Jesus. And he says, you're going to join me in paradise. I think we overcomplicate the gospel and the good news. We overcomplicate who Jesus is. You got to jump this high. You got to do this. You got to memorize this. You got to fast this. No, just turn your heart to him. He'll take care of the rest. All of that stuff just draws you closer to him. Let, let, me, let me move on here to the third thing, because this isn't even the main message. John 19, 26 through 27, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, John, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her as his, to his own home. In his last hour, Jesus is in the flesh of a son worried about his earthly mom. And he's giving the care over to his beloved John, the one that's in the bosom, always, always close to Jesus' heart. As we get to, to the fifth one, and this is to all, John 19, 28, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. He was thirsty. I preached a message on Christmas about the, the wise men and the gifts they brought. One of them was myrrh. And I talked about on Christmas the myrrh, how it would numb and how it would be a medicine on the cross, but also an, an embalming thing. And again, myrrh is mentioned, is, is mentioned as far as he was offered vinegar, offered myrrh, all these things, right? It was to fulfill the scriptures, you know? And, and we have this thing, Psalm 69, 21, they offer me sour wine for my thirst, it was to fulfill the scriptures, but in all of that, there's these prophecies that everything is now coming to pass just the way that was predicted hundreds of years prior. Six, this is to the world. John 19.30. This is personally one of my favorites because it is so power-packed in basically three words. It is finished. The suffering, his purpose on the earth, to die for you and I, for all humanity, the fulfillment of all scripture, it is finished. It's done. Every prayer you'd ever asked for could be ended with, it is finished. Lord, I just pray that my son will get saved. It is finished. I pray healing over this cancer. It is finished. I pray restoration of my marriage. It is finished. You could go on and on and on and on because everything that was paid for on that cross through the, through the crucifixion, through his blood, and through the resurrection, it is finished. The last thing he said, we go to Luke 23, 46. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, oh, I'm sorry. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father. Now, he is, he is fully in surrender now, full agony. He's breathing his last breaths or breath. And he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands I commit every penance for anything anybody has ever done. I commit my spirit and say yes to you, Father, and yes to this final breath for every sin, for every mistake, for every wrong choice, for every, for anything, for any injustice. 
so many injustices that have happened in your life, so much trauma has happened to your life, so many things that have happened to you that you didn't even necessarily choose. But it is finished, and he surrendered and committed his spirit to the Father for all of it. You know, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Holy man, holy God. For the joy set before him, I began to teach our girls, and we, we talk about this. We, we, we do a lot of things this week leading up to, to today with our girls, and, and I just began to tell them, like, you're the joy that was set before him. We are the joy that was set before him. Even your mistakes and your sins, and, and every time you bicker with one another, and every time you backtalk us, and every time you're <laughs> doing the dad thing, right? For real, everything we've done was for the joy. It was his joy that was set before him to totally erase it and put it on the bottom of an ocean floor where no one can ever access it again and forgive it as far as the east is to the west. But you, literally you, Zephaniah 3.17 says he rejoices and delights in you. He sings over you. He delights over you. You are his happy thought. You are the joy set before him even in the agony of the cross. So let's fast forward to the good news here. John 20. John 20. I want to do my best to connect all time in the change of time. The cross changed time. My daughter, she was telling us what she's learning in school now. I was like, <laughs> you know, this AD and BC girl. That's it. It's, it's before Christ and it's after death. That's, that's the timeline. Well, they tell us it's this. Nope, that's not it. Jesus in that cross, it literally stopped and restarted time. It stopped and restarted grace. It stopped and restarted mercy and love and who Jesus is to us, right? So the middle of time actually connects to the end of time that connects to the beginning of time. Because in God, it's eternity. There, there's, it's, it's, it's just open, okay? So, so here we have in our word something that we're going to get to, but let's just start at uh, 20 verse 1 we're going to read 23 verses here today we up for that from our real bibles if you have them if not your phone will deal do or the great guys in the back will hook you up up top there early on sunday morning while it was still dark mary magdalene came to the tomb and found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached out uh, to the tomb first. It's kind of like Matt and I. Probably on a foot race, he'd get me. Probably on a foot race. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus, Jesus' head, was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. Everybody say believe. believe. Everything Jesus had told them is coming to pass. Ah, can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine? Oh, this is what he was talking about. This is what he... Last night, last, the other night at supper, this is what he was talking about. It says, For until then, they, they still didn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. 
Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying, the angel asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. Mary, Jesus said, calls her by name. Do you know Jesus calls you by name? You're not the woman with the issue of blood. When, when she was healed, he says, daughter, go. Your faith has made you well. You know, blind Bartimaeus, we still call him blind Bartimaeus, but he was healed and his sight was recovered. You know, Jesus calls you by name and he calls you son and he calls you daughter. That's your identity. It's not by your sin because he had just paid that price. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher, don't cling to me, Jesus said. <laughs> Could you imagine? Get your hands off me, woman. For I haven't yet ascended to the Father. He's still saying, I got business to do still. But go, find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Now here's the text I want to I I focus on. Again, the, the title of this series is simply Jesus, his last words. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to dive in, in the next chapter as well. And it says this. It says, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Poof, there's Jesus. And what's the first words out of his mouth? Rightfully so, peace be with you. Because they were probably flipping out. The man they just saw get crucified, the man that was in a tomb, the man who had just prepared their hearts for all of this, is now standing in flesh form, fully in front of them. Peace be with you. He said, and he spoke, and he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. <laughs> they must have still been freaking out. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Listen to the power of these words. He is about to ascend to the Father. This is, this is the final appearances of Jesus. And he's saying, like, as, as I've been sent, I'm sending you. He is commissioning the disciples and all who were representative, including us. And here's what he says. Then he breathed on them and said, everybody say breathed. That word in that context through that translation has only been used one other time, and we're going to go there in Genesis 2-7 in a moment. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you remember his, the greatest teacher's teaching just a couple nights prior to this? On Thursday night, he said, I must go, but I'm sending you a comforter. I'm sending you an advocate. I won't leave you as orphans. The Holy Spirit's coming. And he breathed on them. See, see, when we get commissioned, he also gives us the power to go. It says, they receive, and it says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. He is giving them empowerment from the Holy Spirit for grace, mercy, love, for the works of the Holy Spirit. 
for the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, for the giftings of the Holy Spirit that we, that we will later learn about through Paul and, and Corinthians and, and how all of this is then poured out on the day of Pentecost in full form. Okay, but, but listen, the Spirit's being poured out right there. He breathes on them. So Genesis 2-7, turn there with me. We're going to make some, we're going to connect dots. I've always teased around and say he is a connect the dot kind of God. I will travel all over the world and I will run into people I know. It's like, how? What are you doing here? I'm vacationing. Oh, I'm here on a missions trip. Genesis 2 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living being. That's powerful. Here's creation. Here's God. And he's saying, wait, I've got all these animals. I've got day. I've got night. I've got all this going on. But man, I desire somebody that's going to worship me. I desire somebody that's going to be a companion of mine, that's, that's going to be closer than a brother, that's going to be a friend, that's going to give their heart to me, and I'm going to give everything for them. And he makes man by breathing breath into the nostrils and it's that ruach breath the same wind the same the same type of translations from spirit and wind from the day of pentecost to what we just read it's that same wind that same purpose that same infilling he's saying i breathed into his nostrils to give him life to give him purpose to give him passion to give him power okay cool so this is during creation this is the beginning of time he's forming man and then he's like, wait, I'm not going to leave you ladies out, all right? Because then later on, he's like, wait, it's not good for man to be alone. So I'm going to give him a helpmate. And all of a sudden, he takes part of Adam and he creates Eve, right? So, but this breath, this breath of life, and we'll probably go here on Pentecost Sunday and in that realm here in a few weeks. But here's, here's the deal. Go back to John 1. Go to John 1. Is it okay if we connect some dots here? I love it. I hope you're geeking out about some of this as much as I have. If not, I hope God puts it in your heart. <laughs> I like that. In the beginning, now, now this is John starting his gospel. And here's what it says. In the beginning, the word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life. Life. He breathed life. The Word gave life to everything that was created. Come on, we are connecting the cross to the resurrection, to Him breathing into them back to creating Adam because it's from the beginning to the end a love story about your creation, my creation, about your Redeemer, my Redeemer, your Savior, my Savior. The Word gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Genesis 1, please. Genesis 1. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. What came as Jesus was being crucified? 
darkness covered the land. The earth began to, to quake and shake. Can you imagine being those soldiers, being those people that spit on him and mocked him and as he carried the cross through the streets, they're making fun of him. And then all of a sudden he's up on the cross. And he's, and, and he's in this roughly three hours of this death process, which just so you know, it was so brutal that most times it took well over 12 hours, if not a whole day. But they had beaten him so bad and it was so brutal. It says they couldn't distinguish him between animal and man. He was indistinguishable and he died within three hours. And as he's up there, entire darkness covers the whole area. And then... The earth shakes and rocks are shaking. And then what you see is a veil is torn. Going back to the tabernacle and the temple, the thing that separated man from the holiest of holies, and only the high priest could go there on one day a year called the Day of Atonement for your sin, for those sins, uh, uh, for the land at that time. And through this worship experience... They could give their, their sacrifices, and the high priest on the Day of Atonement could go behind that veil and give that on your behalf. But let me tell you, darkness covered the earth. The earth began to shake. A veil was torn from heaven to earth. That's symbolic. We don't, heaven is not just a destination, but as believers, heaven is an invitation as a lifestyle. Jesus didn't just die on a cross so we could one day have a ticket to make it to heaven. He died on the cross so heaven could also make it into us. So it's torn, and then all of a sudden, everything changes. I'm, uh, Sunday morning comes, and then it says, it, it says as, as she was there, as darkness began to leave. Let's go back here. Darkness covered the, the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. We think Spirit didn't exist until Jesus left. No, it was there. He commissioned it in a different way because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have always been one. In the beginning of creation, he says, let us make man in our image to be like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Moving on. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, then separated the light from the darkness. It all connects. And let me just say, Jesus couldn't stay dead in a tomb because it had to fulfill the prophecies, and Jesus wanted to live in you. Yeah, and he wanted to live with us in eternity. He couldn't stay dead there. He's a God that's alive. He's a God like none other. Oh, man. The band can come. I don't know. I sometimes geek out. Because this time, and as I read my word, and as I begin to read these last words of Jesus over the last couple months, and I begin to make these connections where he says, he breathed into them, he says, Holy Spirit, come into you. As he breathed his, some of his last breaths on earth, he was breathing Holy Spirit to commission him to go. And his heart was on forgiveness and redemption. Oh. <sighs> From the beginning of time, it says that he knew your inward parts. Before you were ever formed on this earth, he called you by name. He numbered the hairs on your head. When he was dying on the cross, you didn't yet exist, but he was dying for you because he had already pre-existed you. 
He had already created you. At the beginning of time, everything from that point was seed form. And in those first six days, he created all of humanity. And as he's on the cross, he died for you. And if it was only one of you, if it was only me, he still would have done this. That's how powerful it is. That his redemption and his grace and his love, even on the cross, he's forgiving those who are gambling about him. He's forgiving the thief next to him. He's worrying about his mom. He's saying that, that it's finished. You can stand with me. I've got a really long story. I just regret telling you to stand. I just looked at my notes, and I was like, man, how am I going to wrap this thing up? My, my daughter and I, we just got back on Wednesday morning from a, a missions trip to Dominican Republic. Life-changing. We were one to two miles away from the most fancy resorts you could ever imagine, and I went to the worst neighborhood I've ever been in. We end up in this one home. One day we just went and bought groceries and we were delivering groceries to five families. <clears throat> we went into this house and there's multiple families living there, maybe the size of your bedroom, all open room. My daughter, she is so cute and the things that she felt God tell her. One of the things, we bought a bunch of ring pops. So there's four little kids there and she gives them all a ring pop and they're like going crazy opening these things. I was like, bien, bien, muy bien. You know, and they're saying, very good, very good. So they're, they're eating these, and then I, we would say, can we pray for you? What, what can we pray for? And this woman, so kind, she was smiling the whole time, so full of joy. And I, I'm going to this house, and it is literally um, pieces of wood and tarps and little metal they can find, scraps and different things put together, uh, dirt floors. Most of the homes we went in that day did not have refrigerators or modern plumbing. And... So we're, we're delivering these groceries, and I say, what can we pray for? And she says, this intersection here, there's so many people that die. She's like, just this week, two motorcyclists have died right, right there, 10 feet from where we were standing. And there's motorcycles everywhere. And I said, okay, what else can we pray for? Well, my family, my extended family, they've been sick, and, and there's been a lot of attacks. Could you pray for my extended family? Uh-huh, yeah. What about you? Do you have any prayer requests? What can we pray for for you? She's just smiling. She's like, I'm, I'm good. I don't, I don't need anything. I said, okay. So we prayed, and then I began to just encourage her. And I began to thank her for allowing us into her home. And I began to honor her. Thank you. It is an honor to be in your home. It is a privilege. Thank you for blessing us. And I began to say, thank you. Your smile has blessed me. She was smiling ear to ear the entire time we were there. I said, your smile has blessed me. Thank you. Your, your smile is a gift. And I began to just encourage her through some prophetic kind of encouragement and said, your, your smile is an encouragement to people around you. Your smile is a gift and it brings joy to others. And she looked at me, and I'll never forget this. She said, why wouldn't I smile? I have everything I need. I have Jesus. Let me be really honest with you. It's very humbling for me. Because I'm sitting there thinking this lady has nothing. They have nothing. Honestly, probably a little even belittling, I would imagine. She said, like, like kind of like, are you an idiot? Why wouldn't I smile? I have Jesus. 
I'll never forget that because here I'm thinking she has nothing and she's telling me she has everything because she has Jesus. We gave him enough groceries for probably a month and encouraged him and laughed and then the older ladies were like, what about us and the ring pops? We're kids too. So we gave out the rest of the ring pops and all the ladies are, are eating these ring pops and it's, we saw them later at the kids club that we did. We hosted a kids club at the church and they were there and She's like, remember, we're kids too. Can we have some of the suckers? Because we were passing out suckers. I was like, here's suckers. Take the suckers. It was beautiful. And that's the invitation of Jesus today. No matter what you have, let me just say this. What I learned that day was joy and hope. It transgresses any poverty, any hopelessness, any material things, anything. And I'm telling you, like, it changed me. It changed my heart. Because she didn't see her having nothing. She saw herself as having everything because she had Jesus. If you have Jesus, you have everything. Let me just say this, but if you don't, you have nothing because none of it matters anyway because you can't take it to heaven. You can't take that car, that job, that business, that house, that stuff. You can't take it to heaven. There's already a house, a giant one prepared for you. There's already streets of gold. There's already a crown and you're clothed in majesty. You can't take it anyway. So the invitation today is, man, Jesus, he paid it all. He gave it all on the cross so that you could have everything. I'm going to offer an invitation of Jesus today. And maybe it's more of Jesus. Maybe it's Jesus for the first time. Maybe, maybe I need the Jesus that connects time, that transcends poverty, that transcends times, and gives hope to all humanity, no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've been involved if, in, and, and no matter how long you've been there. That was me. I was there for a long time. And I got totally tricked to running into Jesus' arms. I'm not opposed to tricking you today. That this wild prayer that I'm about to pray for you may just, may just change your life forever. This, this, this simple gesture that if you want Jesus, you're going to raise your hand in a moment. That simple gesture, it may come down like lightning and thunderings and rumblings. Like the earth shook that day. He is still shaking lives. He is still shaking environments and cultures. He is shaking things. We've seen it the last few years. He is shaking things so that we may actually realize we need him. Amen. He is shaking and sifting things in politics and, and plagues and all of these things that we may get shaken so much we may realize we have nothing that matters and we need everything that's him. Sometimes we get so many of these distractions and these busyness and the materials and the schedules and the calendars and this drive gets in the way that we forget the very essence of why we're on this earth anyway. It was we were created to worship him, to glorify him, to say yes to him and to be in companionship and intimacy with Jesus. That's why we're here. And while we're here, we're supposed to bring as many people to that encounter as possible. You are commissioned with the breath of the Holy Spirit to go to make disciples, to baptize people in his name, to cast out demons. It's a great commission. So, if you don't have Jesus or you just want more, will you just raise your hand? This is an invitation for Jesus right now. If you want Jesus, you want everything. If you want everything, just raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand. I see the hands that are going up. 
sweet. It is sweet. See the hands. Going to give you a minute. Just respond. Just respond right now. If you want Jesus to live in your heart, you want that cross to be so meaningful and powerful to eradicate everything you've ever done and put it on a bottom of an ocean floor and let it be covered by the blood and redeemed by the Savior, then just raise your hand. I feel the sincerity in some of these and all of them. Come on, Josh. If you're around one of those people with their hand raised, just put a gentle hand on them. I'm going to lead you guys into prayer. If your hand was up, I'm going to lead you into prayer. And, and until somebody's got a hand on you, just keep that hand up, whatever it is. Just put a hand on them. They need, they're going to be welcomed into the greatest family in eternity right now. It says, when a sinner repents, angels rejoice in heaven. There is a party that is being thrown right now for just you. There is break dancing. There are strobe lights. There are streets of gold. It's awesome. There's a party happening right now with angels. There's redemption happening right now. There is reconciliation back to the Father. He came so that you could be justified. In Corinthians, it says that today is the day of salvation. And that word, that Greek word for salvation is sozo. And it's saved, healed, and delivered. He didn't just come so that you could get a heaven ticket and a destination one time. He came that heaven can get into you and you can walk so radically saved and redeemed and reconciled and healed and delivered, free from pornography, freed from addiction, freed from bondage, free from oppression, free from depression, free from hopelessness. He came so that you could walk freely in the light of Jesus. So Lord, I thank you. Just, just say this for me. Say, Jesus... Let's just all as a body say this and join these powerful, courageous new believers right now. Jesus, thank you for coming to the earth. You are a king, but the crown you wore was for me. It was the crown of thorns. You were bruised for my iniquities. You, you paid a price for me. You were crucified for me. Your blood covers my sins. It covers my mistakes. It covers even the things that happened to me. Jesus, I ask forgiveness right now for anything I've ever done against you, for any sin I've ever committed. And I receive your free gift of salvation right now. I receive the gift of the cross. I receive your blood right now. I receive your love right now and mercy and grace. I receive the power of your Holy Spirit right now. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thank you for raising from the dead, for conquering death, hell, and the grave and for conquering all of my iniquities. Jesus, let me live for you. Let me grow close to you. Now, I want you to pray this very powerful prayer right now. I want you to ask in your own ways, I want you to ask Jesus for his heart. In your own way, I'm telling you that 
That is a powerful prayer, and it will change things. It will change how you look at things. It will change how you respond. It will change how you see. Just ask him right now. Say, Jesus, give me your heart. I want your heart. think those hands that were up, I think those need to turn into some high fives. Give somebody a high five. From the beginning of time, Jesus created you for purpose. He created you because he loved you. He created you. You were not a mistake. mean this anything against my family it was funny I laughed until one day I realized the power of those words that I was called an oops baby I was a mistake I'm seven years almost younger than my youngest sibling and you're like oh you were a mistake and of course my mom and dad loved me well and the best mistake of our life kind of stuff but for a long time that was in me that I didn't realize you were not a mistake you were not an oops baby you were born for such a time as this you were born in this moment of culture, not, not to frustrate you. That frustration is birthing purpose in you. If, you. if you absolutely hate politics right now, you might be called to go into it, to change it and transform it. If you hate some of these things, it's probably a, you need to ask the Lord for his heart in it. But then it might be birthing a passion for a purpose. So, so I'm just saying, you are not a mistake. You have purpose. You have destiny. So as we close this, I declare Jeremiah 29, 11 over you. The plans he has to prosper you, prosper you. The future he has for you is so good. You were born for this moment of time, for this day and age, for this generation, for your sphere of influence, for your culture, for your people, for your neighborhood, for your family. And let me just say, God's got it. From the beginning of time to the end of time, he's Yahweh, he's got it. He's Alpha and Omega. Okay, I just got to stop because some of you need to go eat ham and peanut butter pie, and I've got a peanut butter Easter egg waiting for me. Um, so I love you. Happy Easter. God bless you guys. We're going to ask our prayer team to come. If you said yes to Jesus, we have a gift for you at the info bar. It's really cool. It's also some next steps, a Bible, a book, some other things. Um, if you're new here, turn that card in. Go to the info bar. We have a gift for you as well. If you need prayer, if you need encouragement, if you need prophecy, if you need healing in your body, if you just said yes to Jesus, I invite you to baptisms next week, as well as we have a discipleship program here called Thrive. Any one of these prayer members can tell you about it or at the info bar. God bless you guys. Enjoy your families. Thank you, Jesus. Happy Easter.